Welcome to MLR Kickoff, episode 18, with your hosts, Dan Power and Pete Steinberg. Hello, folks. Welcome to the MLR Kickoff podcast, and we are into the season, and what a bang we started the year with. Pete Steinberg joining me again, and Pete, week one, it certainly was one for the ages as just 10 points total separated all four games. An absolutely outstanding start to Major League Rugby for 2019. Well, it wasn't only competitive, Dan, and all of the games were competitive and they were all close. And there are teams that feel blessed that they won and and teams that are gutted that they lost. But I think there was a pretty clear improvement in the quality of play from last year. I thought all of the games, I mean, except maybe there was one game um, Austin Houston in the pouring rain and the rain really affected it. But the other games I felt all high quality and higher than the games last year. Yeah, I agree. You can't really do much about the weather in that Austin Houston game, but the tightness of the game made it uh, interesting viewing in its own right. Uh, we talk about our tips for the week. I got off to a flyer after last year, just embarrassing myself. Four and O, oh, and you only had one blemish on your record. So not a bad weekend uh, for you and I on the on the tipping front, and hopefully we can keep that going throughout the season as long as I'm just a little bit better each week than you. Well, before we before we review the games, Dan, and, and jump in, I think you know I'm going to give my coaches talk about predictions. Like we have to do them, but I don't believe in them. And um, you know I think the fact that pretty much every game could have gone either way. Like the one game that I missed out was the Rooney San Diego game. Um, I, I put my money on San Diego, uh, you know, one, one, um, referee call, correct. I think referee call for the penalty try is, is what turned that, but all of the games could have gone either way. So, um, I think, uh, um, you know, I, I called this on our, um, CBS game of the week, Dan, I said, this is probably the most competitive professional rugby league in the world. And I think the first weekend of the games, I think, you know, that stands up. I don't know that there's a league in the world that would have games this close. Well, we've also got to do our travel tip, Pete. So let's not forget that. You and I both traveled to Seattle this weekend for the aforementioned game of the week. And uh, I'm going to give the travel tip this week. The travel tip actually comes from a pearl of wisdom that you passed on to me at uh, a few minutes past midnight where you got on and changed your flight for the next day. And I didn't. And I regrettably had a very early flight out of Seattle uh, with red eyes and and many regrets from a late night. But you got a nice little sleep in, which you end up not taking advantage of. So if uh, you can, <laughs> change your flight to the late flight the next day and enjoy that hotel bed. That's my travel tip. Yeah, I think I think that's right. And the other thing that I would add on to that is don't let, you know, at midnight, Dan, you would have paid, you know, 50 bucks, 100 bucks to get a couple of more hours sleep. But a month before when you bought that flight, you probably wouldn't. So I'm always like, it's a little bit easy. Like I can, you know, I can do this. I, you know, I have, I have a little bit of extra money in my pocket, but don't let that $50 cheaper flight push you into a tough situation like getting up in the morning. And you're right. I got a good solid five hours sleep before waking up um, and not going, not being, being able to go back to sleep. I'm still recovering. I'm now in New York. I've, I've been in Cleveland long, along the way. So I'm sitting in my hotel room in New York. But uh, let's get into the games. What great games they were. 
Yeah, they certainly were. They kicked off down south in New Orleans, Pete, and that was uh, the first time we'd seen the Toronto Arrows. We'd seen them as the Ontario Arrows and then a few preseason glimpses as the Toronto Arrows. But our first look at a squad that uh, you'd have to say, I wouldn't say decimated, Pete, but they certainly were missing some players through ARC selections and they ran into a, uh, a red-hot Noel outfit, who I must give credit to Ryan Fitzgerald, Nate Osborne, uh, and Mr. Falcon, the owner down there, for what they've done, putting that side together. An outstanding job the offseason. Nola looked great. What were your thoughts on that one, Pete? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, well, I think Nola looked great in the first half. This was a game of two halves. They really came out hard. They um, scored some wonderful tries in that first half, but back came Toronto. I think this Arrows team... Um, you know, they had a slow start. They come from the cold country. You know, they've been in Victoria. They've done some training outside, um, but they were slow to get off the blocks. I think they were probably a little little bit surprised by the um, intensity of Major League Rugby, but that worked their, well, worked their way back into the game. So it was NOLA the whole of the first game, and it, sorry, first half, and it was Toronto the whole of the second. And not a lot in it, not a lot in it in terms of um, possession, not a lot in it um, in terms of territory. I mean, I think one of the things that happened in the first half of this game that I thought was interesting is that Toronto came in with much more of a kicking game than we've seen in Major League Rugby, which means that they gained territory, but they didn't have much of the ball. Nola Gold wanted to hold on to the ball. And in the second half, I think Toronto worked out, hold on, defensive defenses aren't as solid as maybe we thought they might be. And so what we're going to do is we're going to hold on to the ball a little bit more. And I think that paid dividends for them. Well, it was an interesting game, wasn't it, Pete? Because Nola really jumped out to a nice little lead. I believe 24 points to seven at one point in the first half. Cam Dolan, has, well, wherever that guy lands, he seems to find his feet pretty quickly. He was outstanding. Uh, he sent me a, a brief clip after the game on Twitter of him absolutely rifling a ball off his right foot, uh, saying he's coming for me. And uh, <laughs> my position is the greatest kicker in USA rugby history is now in question because Cam Dolan has arrived. And yeah, he's uh he had an outstanding game. That whole forward pack actually looked really good and laid a platform there for their backs. Really like Tristan Blewett as well, the outside center. What do you think of the young South Africans' first taste of major league rugby? Oh, he was he was a stud. I mean, I thought he had really a phenomenal game. Um, he is gonna be a real impact. I'm trying to look at his stats right here. So um, you know, he's he carried the ball for um, 88 meters, which is actually joint with um, Cam Dolan. He had uh, um, uh, one line break and two tackle breaks uh, and uh, two offloads. I mean, he was the most dynamic player on on the pitch and uh, a really, really effective player. And I'm reading this out of oh, and he also had 20 made tackles from the center position. That's a that's impressive. So and a tackle rate and only missed one. So I'm reading this from the new stats inc um, stats that Major League Rugby has, which is more than I probably want to know. But um, he was he was fun, phenomenal. One thing to go back to back to Cam Dolan because I think this is a is really critical. Um, Cam Dolan is a world class lineout jumper, and I think the one area that you can point to that say where did Nola have um, a significant significant advantage. And that was in the lineout where they won 100% of their lineout, but they stole three of Toronto's lineouts. And then in a five-point game, 
that there is a, that there is a big difference. And I think a couple of those Toronto lineouts were in good attacking positions too. So I think Cam Dolan makes an impact around the field, but in the lineout, man, that guy is good. Yeah, he certainly is a threat everywhere. Very dynamic player for Nola. They get the win and start their season on a winning note. Later that night, Pete, we jumped across a couple of states to the beautiful state of Texas, and it was Austin Elite hosting the Houston Sabercats. And a lot of people were, you know, after last year, probably rightfully so, a little, uh, you know, down on this game as uh, as the dud game of the round. but. Conditions aside, they certainly both showed up and we ended up with a, a pretty physical, enthralling game in, in tough conditions. I, it was. I mean, I think there's uh, there's not much you can do. in the. It, it's going to affect any team, right? And so this was definitely the worst conditions of the weekend. Um, I was very impressed with um, the Sabercats mentality and and actually the uh, the elites. I thought both teams played really, really hard but it was just ended up being a sloppy game. I mean, this game actually was, you know, had so to give you an idea about, there's a couple of ways that you can look at the quality of the game, right? So one way that you measure quality is the um, ball in play statistic, how long the ball in, is, is in play. And the ball's in play in only 25 minutes. And so a good game is 35 minutes and above. And that just tells you that there were a lot of errors and, um, a lot of restarts and a lot of scrums. And then the other stat you look at is tackle stats. So there was, you know, about 230 tackles made here, where in other games this weekend, there were over 300. So it just told you that there was um, a lot of scrums, a lot of lineouts, and not a lot of ball in play just because of the conditions. Yeah, certainly. And then you just look at the scoring as well. Houston getting the win off the boot of Sam Windsor, unable to score a try. Um, I actually enjoyed this game. It kind of was, it was a different game because I really felt that both these sides had a lot to prove after last year. Austin finishing a little higher on the table, but I think they underperformed early in the season. A chance to get out of the gates at home against Houston, another side that underperformed last year. But I tell you, the the Sabercats are going to look at this win, missing their two biggest weapons in Kalinasau and Vithi. I really think they're going to be impressed, Pete. I think they're going to look back and hopefully, if you're the coaching staff down there, you know, you've got Justin Fitzpatrick, Paul Emmerich as well. You can rally the troops around and be like, you know, you guys can win close games. We lost a bunch last year, but you can win these close games and this could be the injection of confidence that they need to really push forward. Yeah, I mean, I think Houston did a great job considering all of the injuries that they had, right? I mean, of all of their um, pickups from... um, from South America, I mean, um, Santiago Arata played and he was he was excellent, but none of their forwards, um, no Paul Mullen. You know, when your uh, hooker and your tight head prop both play 80 minutes, that tells you something about the depth that you have, right? Because you really, they almost never play 80 minutes anymore. They're not, you know, no matter how good they are. So I think that Houston will walk away from this very, very happy that they got the win. And I think Austin will see this as one that slipped away. I agree. Losing at home, never a good thing. And uh, unfortunately for Austin, that's a tough start the year. They uh, they will bounce back though, Austin. Uh, they'll play again this weekend. 
We'll address that a little later in the pod. But moving on to Sunday, two more games on Sunday. The first game, the early game down the Pacific Coast there in beautiful San Diego. It was East versus West as Rooney racked up some airline miles as they traveled all the way to play the Legion. And Pete, uh, this one I felt was one of the higher quality games of the weekend. Two great sides who uh, really didn't uh, weren't really shy about throwing the ball around. Absolutely. I actually thought this was the best game in terms of quality of the weekend. I mean, the conditions were ideal, right? So it's in those sorts of places that you expect the quality to be high. But I thought, like you said, both teams tried to play. Um, both teams tried to do uh, something with the ball when they had it. And there was a lot of sophistication. I thought Connell Marsh and Joe Peterson at fly half, you know, were really good game managers and made some really, really good decisions. So I thought this was a really, really high game. You know, if we get into the um, ball in play minutes, it was 34 minutes, over 300 tackles. So I think that there was um, a lot about this. And it's just an exciting game where both teams can um, take the opportunities that, uh, or, or take a lot out of it. Even though San Diego lost, I think they played probably the most talented team um, in the league and stepped away with at least a bonus point. Yeah, a lot of good performances on both sides in this one. Uh, Joe Peterson, how about that at fly half? A lot of people thinking, you know, with the seamer and leader, uh, the exodus of fly halves at San Diego, what are they going to do? Joe Peterson had an absolute belter of a game, running for 100 metres on only seven carries, so averaging way over that golden 10-metre-a-carry mark that a lot of the players try to shoot for. And uh, he was great with the boot, too, going two conversions, three penalties, kept them in it with a try as well. On the other side of the ball, you mentioned Marsh, uh, him and Foden in particular with Leonard. That midfield, those three players there, ooh, when they sink, you got to remember Ben Foden just turned up, Pete. He hasn't much, had much time to sink with his 10 and his 12. And uh, i got to give a shout-out to two of my old teammates, the War Horses, Mike Petrie. He has still got it. He can still still get out there and sling it with the best. And Big Lou Stanfield. How good was Big Lou Stanfield just <laughs> niggling the whole game, mucking around with his former roommate, the old roomie, John Quill. And you could see John Quill just taking every ounce just not to put one right on Lou's chin. But uh, it was uh, it was a good game for sure. I really enjoyed that one. And it doesn't get any easier for both these sides, too, in particular San Diego as they, uh, they face the defending champs next week luckily for them at home trying to get their season turned around with the win but uh, two things just before we move on Dan two things to think about here that I thought was really important Um, the first one is that San Diego had a strong scrum they actually won a couple of penalties in the scrum so um, Paddy Ryan coming in from Australia has has um, made a uh, um, a big impact along with um, Dean Muir at hooker so that was a big takeaway. But in these close games, there were three kicks that went directly into touch when San Diego was about at the halfway line. There was um, one by uh, Nick Boyer, one by Joe Peterson, and one by Connor Kearns, where their kicks, they tried to kick to space, and it was all right-footed, and they were kicking to the right, and they all went out, and it just gave up territory and gave great possession to the Rooney side that had a good line out. And it's those things when I think two of those ended up being leading to scores for New York. It's those sort of errors 
that are going to cause these games to be lost, which is phenomenal for our US players that are playing, players like Nick Boyer, because most of most of the time in American rugby, you know who's going to win and the lose. And actually your your skills and your skill execution isn't important. But in Major League Rugby, what it's showing is you make a mistake and it can cost your team the game. And so that was one of the things that I took away from that was just um, three loose kicks ended up, I think, with two New York scores and and a big a big impact. Yeah, definitely. It's interesting to look through these player stats here, Pete, that you talked about. Rooney really didn't go to the bench much with five players on their bench getting zero minutes in the game. So uh, a huge shift for the back line in particular, starting at Petri all the way through to Hume, all played 80 minutes. Deacon went for 80. Cassidy, Brakely, Paddy Ryan up front and Dylan Fawcett. Now that would have been tough because it was a very warm day down in San Diego and uh, obviously you know what the weather's like in January in New York. So Credit to uh, Mike Tolkien and his uh, conditioning staff out there for having the guys in top-notch shape to play 80 in, in what was a pretty tough game. Absolutely, although it'll be interesting to see what happens as the game moves, as, as we move through the season, because your tight head prop can't play any minutes every game. So it'll be interesting if that's part of a plan, if it was sort of like, we really, these guys haven't played very much together. So remember, they had one preseason game against Toronto um, cancelled and so this may have been we want to get our starting lineup to play together more and 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 that would make sense but yeah I mean and and some of the people you've got on the bench aren't slouches like Marcus Walsh he's a good scrum half Derek Lipscomb I mean he's a good player so there's good players here on the bench that could have played but they just didn't put them on so it might be just trying to get those guys a little bit more time and Pete the last game of the week we go all the way up the Pacific Coast to the Northwest and to Seattle, home of the defending champions. This was the CBS game of the week. You and I were there with Stacey Pates calling this one and really everything that we expected came to fruition there. Two sides who are starting to really build a great rivalry. I don't think there's any love loss between Seattle and Glendale and we could have our first real big serious rivalry in Major League Rugby on the back of this one. Absolutely. And this was this was a really interesting game for me because, um, you know, Seattle have done this before and it helped them win a championship. Right. So they if you look at the stats and first of all, born in play, 39 minutes, 19. That's actually about what a World Cup game is. That's pretty impressive. That's a good statement of the quality of this game. But Glendale possession, 58 percent territory, 63 percent. They had six more attacking minutes. So six more minutes attacking inside the um, Seattle half than Seattle had, and yet they lose the game. And so you've got to look at this. And you've got to say, well, how did, that, how did that happen? And again, a little bit like last year, it came down to Glendale's errors, and they just weren't accurate enough to be able to get through that seawall. Um, and, and, and that's still the story of, um, of how you play Seattle. And Seattle scored... They're just phenomenal on turnovers, and that's how that there was there was the kick where um, Matt Turner was able to to make the break. It's all on turnovers for them, and that's how they really get you. And uh, um, yep, so same you know um, same two teams and a similar game to last year's finals. It was it was really for Glendale fans watching. I think it would have been a frustrating performance because. 
We did talk about that turnover of players in Glendale, and they did get some signings late in the offseason to come in and help alleviate some of those problems. But they're just so accustomed to success at Glendale. You look at the wall there at Infinity Park where the banners sit with the championships, and in their short history, that wall is quite full uh, compared to other clubs around the country. So they've just come accustomed to winning games. So it is kind of a shock to see them lose these games, especially tight games, but I just wonder how much of the scar tissue from last year's final was still sitting with those players, Pete. You and I kind of talked about it a little bit after the game that, wow, just it just felt like they didn't want to win that game in the last 10 minutes, gave up some opportunities. And uh, I just wonder if that's part of that, you know, that mental game. And you would know about this coaching as well, how hard it is mentally to get players over some losses. Some are easier than others, but that championship one, I think, cut pretty deep on some of those players. Well, you know, let's let's remember that Glendale reacted really well at halftime. They were down, they came out, and then that for that 10, 15 minutes, they played just amazing rugby, and they just looked like a dominant team, but they weren't able to, to sustain it. And I think that that's the challenge that Glendale have is that when they get into their structure and they can play well and they can get onto the front foot, they play as well as anyone, but are they able to sustain it long enough to be able to win the game? And it just it, they weren't able to do it in the game against Seattle. So what other stats stood out in that game for you, Pete? Well, I mean, it's really interesting because you look through it and, you know, these things, it's sort of like, um, you know, uh, so Seattle had 192 tackles. That's a lot. But Glendale had 186. So only six less. And um, actually, Glendale missed more tackles. Their tackle completion rate was 83%. And um, Glendale's, Seattle's tackle um, completion rate was 83%. And Glendale's tackle rate was 89%. Um, nine penalties against uh, um, Seattle and five penalties against Glendale. So, you know, you look at this and you just say, you know, this isn't a game that um, that Glendale should lose. All of the stats suggest they should win. But they didn't, did they? They didn't. And, so- and it's about taking the opportunities. And so if you remember in the first half, Glendale had a couple of opportunities to score and it was Dave Williams' frustration. And in those moments that they had that opportunity to score, they, they didn't take it. And, and I think that's where the challenge really is. Yeah, I think you're right, Pete. It's going to be an interesting bounce back. Uh, I have no doubt that they've got the players and they've got the capability to do that. So we'll keep an eye on that as the year goes on. But out of those games, we end up crowning a player of the week. And it came from Saturday night's game in Austin. And it was the Houston fly half, Sam Windsor, who won the nod for his 21-point haul and also just an outstanding all-round game of directing traffic and playing a very, very smart territory game with his kicking game in general play. And I had a chance to sit down with Sam earlier and catch up with the Sabercats number 10. Excited to welcome to the show MLR Player of the Week, Player of the Round. That is Houston Sabercats fly half and Sam Windsor. Sam, thanks a lot for joining the show. Thanks, Dan. Thanks for having me on, mate. Yeah, we spoke to you in the off-season and you were very optimistic that the woes of 2018 were put behind the Sabercats. Not too many people liked your chances going into Austin. I was split. I think on the uh, show I said Houston to win. Uh, 
on the uh, USA Rugby one. I, I changed my mind to Austin, and the reason was uh, no Vithi, no Kalenisau, two attacking weapons gone. Mentally, how were you coming into the game knowing that uh, your Fijian backs weren't going to be playing? And it was it warm my heart to hear you pick us up last week, and then when I read that that post and you changed your mind, I was a little filthy. So maybe that was a bit of added motivation for me. So <laughs> thanks for the thanks for the little pick up there. But well, um, now my, my heart just broke a little more. So I'm so sorry. <laughs> no, it's all it's all good. Um, yeah, we knew we knew early on in the week that Josh and I say weren't weren't going to be fit, so we we planned without them uh, for the majority of the week. Um, and we, we've called in, we've called in some guys over the last month to, to add some depth to our back. So uh, confidence were confidence levels for us were fine. We have all the faith in the boys that, that we put out on on Saturday night. And then, to be honest, the game plan that we that we took into the game was was a lot of field position, um, taking points when they're on offer, uh, kicking territory, and putting the ball in the air. So as much as we missed having having Josh and Asaya out there, um, you know, the boys that that stood up and, and went out on Saturday night did a great job. Well, the conditions definitely played into that game plan, didn't they? What was it like playing in those conditions, and uh, you know, any adjustments coming in, knowing that it was going to be heavy rain throughout the game? We w- we went into the sheds after the warm up, so before the anthem, and then we came out, and and it, and it was and it was teaming down, so it was a bit of a shock to all the boys when we ran out, expecting it to be a nice dry deck. Um, but it, it, to be honest, it, it, when we played them two weeks previous, you know, we were too wide in attack off off nine and off ten, uh, we were a little flat. So coming into the game, we'd made a conscious effort to sort of tighten up our attack a little bit, get a little narrower, get a little deeper, give ourselves more time with the ball. Um, unfortunately, that, that kind of game plan is, is needed when you're playing in wet, in wet conditions. Um, and then also kicking the ball uh, smartly and playing down down the other end of the field is obviously a, a key way to play in the wet. So it all, uh, it all fell into place for us. Now, you said uh, playing a little wide off 9 and 10 there. You do have a new 9 starting this year. Murphy's still in the squad, but you've signed Santiago Arada. Two vastly different players, both very quality players. How's it been adjusting for your game, having those two 9s in the squad? Uh, it's, it's been great, to be honest. They're, they're a competitive bunch. Uh, both of them, are, you know, they get along really well. They're good mates off the field. And, and I think it's a healthy competition that we're going to see uh, flourish over the next next 15, and 15 or so games. Um, but yeah, both both really talented in terms of passing off both hands. Santi's got a got a left foot, so that opens up another attacking weapon for us. Um, and you know he's learning as as he comes. We had him for for a good month before he's gone off to, to Uruguay camp for the for the ARC. Um, but you know he's immersed himself into the the Houston culture. He's he's working hard on his English. It's you know he'll tell you it's bad and he'll apologize all the time for it. But he's actually he's really he's way better than my Spanish. I would say that. Um, but no, he's a he's a little uh, little competitor. Um, there's some funny stories from the weekend. I think he, he blew out one ruck and it was a lock. I think that he blew out of the ruck and he kind of had to check himself and said, "Oh, I'm strong." And then uh, I, w- I won't say the terms he used, but he, he told the lock to stay away from his ball, um, which was quite funny. So we all had a laugh about that on, on the bus on the way home on Saturday. Um, but he, he brings he brings international experience. He brings youth and, and plenty of speed from the base of the ruck. So. Um, for us, we're going to have to keep up the pace with him, and um, and you know I think it's going to you probably see a little a little different attacking style from us you know in the weeks to come. Talk us through the game itself, Austin at home, very tough to beat there. They had that great run last year where they were very very hard to beat at home. How do you feel during the game? It was quite a seesaw watching it on TV. Did it feel that way out there? Or did you always feel as though you kind of had control of that one? Yeah, we were. I was. You know, they're, they're strange games. I don't, 
I haven't played in many games where we score that many points and we don't we don't score a try. So, you know, I think we we struggled to I wouldn't say struggle to hold the ball, but we didn't have a lot of attacking opportunities in their 22, 25 meter area. So, um, you know, as I mentioned before, it was a conscious decision from us as as a coaching staff and an hour on offer. Um, so, you know, anything inside that 40, 45 meter mark for us on a night like that, you know, Matt, the captain Truval had um, had faith in me to put him over, and unfortunately, I was able to. Um, you know, we're still lacking that 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 killer edge. You know, to to not give away penalties at crucial times, and you know, you know we score points. We want to score points next, and there'd be you know those double score type plays. But we managed to let Austin back in the game by giving away penalties, giving them five meter lineouts, and you know, they're a big pack. They're a strong pack. They've got a great lineout, a great more, um, and unfortunately, you know that that cost us two tries uh, and kept them in the game. So you think Truval, the uh, the walrus? You think he had confidence in your boot, or he just needed a blow? He was uh, looking. Like he was, <laughs> no, he did. It was uh, round he, one was tough. He asked me after. He's like, you know, were you nervous at all? And uh, there's always a bit of nerves that that come with being being a kicker. But I think seeing as I've been hitting them that well during the night, it was you know, it was the clock could have read you know five minutes or twenty minutes, uh, and you know would have been would have been the same setup for me and the same process to go through. So. Um, Few of the boys, you know, I don't, I don't take notice of it, but they're apparently they're all on their, their hands and knees and sort of looking to the heavens or looking for, for solace at the ground um, when I'm lining it up. And of course, the the friendly Austin fans were, when you know, making me aware that they were there still as well, braving the wet conditions. So um, it's it's entertaining, I hope, and uh, it's why we play the game, and we're just you know fortunate and, and and happy to get a win. And I guess that monkey off our back. Um, you know, early on in the season, but you know, week one week in, we've got fifteen more to go, so we need to we need to back it up and and hopefully get a couple more. Mate, just talk us through your process for that last kick. You know, I imagine that you're the kind of guy who gets those moments and and just relishes them, wants that responsibility. Some kickers you see, and you can almost tell from the get go they're going to miss it. Uh, different game, but you look at the Bears in the NFL playoffs, Cody Parkey, poor kid. You just knew he was going to miss it. He looked like an absolute shell, but you look very confident coming up to the tee. Talk me through your process from when the whistle goes to the penalty. What goes through your mind up until that ball sails over the post? Um, for us, it was, we, were on the, we were on the front foot for tracking. Um, they'd given away a couple penalties, and we'd given away a similar penalty. You know, not, you know, I think Jamie Davis saw yellow for, for you know, infringing in a similar fashion. Uh in that in that second half, so you know we 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 tried to play on the front foot when you were down by a couple of points, and you know if we got into the into their half, then you know a we would have wanted to score a try, but at the same time, you know hold on to that ball long enough to try and put the pressure on them to to cause an infringement and, and a penalty. So um, you know the whistle went, the boys were the boys were all over it. You know Maddie looked at me straight away, and you know there's that mutual agreement and that that mutual reassurance that that you know we had between each other. So it's. You know, have a squirt of water, put the tee on the ground. Fortunately, it wasn't too windy, um, and I'd kick some from from around the forty meter mark earlier in the night. So I knew distance wasn't going to be an issue. Um, and fortunately, that ground that they're playing on at Del Diamond is in great condition. So, you know, I've missed a couple in those circumstances before, and you never forget that feeling. And you know, whether it's because of a slip or a bad kick, you know, it's something that you don't want to experience again. So, I guess that's where you want to be as well. Um, and just we've fought long and hard through the preseason and, and put up with a lot of stuff in the off season and, and criticism of our performances last year. So, you know, if I can do my bit to to help us turn a few of the, the losses into wins, then you know I'm gonna I'm gonna happily step up and and take one for the team if you like and, and shoulder that burden. It was a beautiful kick. Let me just uh, see that looked fantastic. Uh, talking about 
last season and heartbreakers. Your next game is against San Diego. And really, looking back at last year, it was this same game in San Diego. You lost on the bell that kind of sent the season in a downward spiral. How are you approaching this game? Obviously, memories from last year, they probably linger just a little bit. They always do. But how are you approaching this game in two weeks? Uh, we will, we'll, uh, we've got a couple of days off this week. Um, we're, I was out of the office today and, and off the training field. Um, so we'll, we'll, we'll regroup on, on Thursday and, and come up with a game plan. Fortunately, we get to see them play again, um, I think, this weekend. So we'll have a better idea of what they're, what they're putting up uh, this year. They've got a pretty, a pretty different squad and, and some more challenges for us to you know, deal with. But um, we definitely have learned from you know, the mistakes of last year. And I think some of the boys that might have made those errors won't make them again and have, you know, for, for worse or for better, have got the, you know, that experience and I guess made the mistakes to, to know what not to do. Um, so for us, we're going to stick to our game plan. We've got a great set piece, um, big forward pack, and you know, hopefully we'll have some of our attacking weapons back to, to really put it to them out wide because uh, watching them at the weekend, we know they're not shy to throw the ball around. Um, and then also, you know, Joe with his boot is, is quite deadly as well. So we're going to have to be disciplined and uh, and really just stay on top of the game. Last year, we, we you know, thinking back, we played them, you know, not a month before the league game and we and we dusted them quite comprehensively. So I guess having come off the loss in the league game, that's left a sour taste. So the boys will want to uh, to rectify that. And, and again, we, we, we made a note of saying in the change rooms on Saturday of, remembering the feeling of winning and you know savoring that because it's it's something we want to do on the on the regular and uh yeah we don't want to taste defeat too often this year well, i'm in a tough spot because obviously i can't pick against the saber cats and uh, my favorite player but uh, i also got hit pretty hard by lou stanfield when i uh picked rooney over san diego so you're going to be playing against uh, my old mate lou in that game so maybe i'll go for the tie and and just lose both of you instead. <laughs> <laughs> uh, it's going to be good fun. I think uh, it's good to see. I know. I think Matt played a bit with Lou, and a few of the other boys have, uh, have played with him before. So, um, you know, it's 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 great to see the league flourishing and players who who might have been burnt a little by pro or, or whatnot in the past are, are coming back out and giving it another crack, and ultimately, you know, growing the game that that is just waiting to to explode onto the the bigger market. So it's uh, it's good fun. Now, mate, it's early days, obviously, round one of the season, but have you felt uh, a different in the standard from year one to year two? Uh, yeah, it's yeah. one game in. We've watched a few of the preseason games. Um, I think if you look at the players that have been added to, to squads across the country and, and obviously Toronto coming in, you know, it's not going to be a, a shock to people to hear that the standard's going to increase. Um, you know, players coming out of college who've been dominating the college game for a while. Um, guys from overseas who have, who have done big things on the sevens and fifteen stage are coming out. Um, you know, the, I think as the as the weeks go on and the boys become more comfortable playing with each other and forming new partnerships, you, you know, I think we'll see a, a pretty a pretty obvious increase in the skill level, the cohesion. Um, you know, and hopefully, and hopefully, you know, not too many blowout scores or, or, or high scoring affairs, which typically. Uh, depicts some poor defence. So, you know, one thing we worked on on the off-season was getting a defence coach in. So, you know, if we're if we're not letting as many points go to the other teams and, you know, hopefully it's uh, because of that and, you know, we're winning more games. Well, I'm going to let you go, big fella. I'm looking forward to coming down and calling a Houston game, I think, when you open the new stadium yeah. in, I believe it's be, April. Uh, uh, March, I think we're looking at March, March 23rd, Utah, opening of Aviva Stadium. Um, I like to wait one game, you know, make sure there's no mishaps or okay, so smooth. Be so you get it open. Opening. 
That'll be fine. Mate. And uh, yeah, maybe we can have a kickoff out in the field before yeah, the game. Mate, more than happy to, mate. More than happy to. Bring your boots. No, no, that's just uh, me talking tough on the pot. I'm not actually going to follow through, Sam. I uh, just, you know, just trying to use this platform to keep those small flames of the past just simmering a slight bit. All right, mate. Thanks for joining us. MLR Player of the Week. I'm sure not the last time we'll talk to you this year as well. Got the Sabercats off to a winning start, which is a great thing, I think. Strong rugby in Houston's good for Major League Rugby. So thanks for stopping by, Sam. Appreciate it. Thanks, Dan. All the best, mate. There was Sam Windsor, Pete. What a game from the fly half, and he looks to turn around the fortunes of Houston in 2019. Absolutely, and I think... um... I think Sam's obviously a quality player. I mean, he carried the team with his 21 points and um, also a really articulate guy. I mean, I think that guy's going to find himself in the booth once he decides to retire. Don't talk yourself out of a job, Pete. What are you doing? (laughs) Competition is always good. It makes you better, Dan. You and I both believe that. Perfect. Perfect. Well, he won't be going. He'll be staying with the Sabercats, but they will be losing some players as we start our representative run here uh, with rugby in the North Americas and a little bit of South America. Can't forget our brothers down there. But the ARC kicks off this weekend, Pete, and the USA are on the road first up. They go down to Chile, I believe, for a tough game down there. Let's go through what we're expecting out of the Eagles as they look to go for three in a row. Well, you know, Dan, I think um, Chile obviously is a game that they um, should win, even though you travel down there. I mean, you know when you travel, especially when you travel to South America, there's a lot of things that can happen, whether they're deliberate or not, that can put you off the game. The big thing that I'm going to be looking for in their um, legs down in in South Africa is can A.J. McGindy step on the field? Um, He's going to be with the team. They're going to um, check out to see if he's recovered from his injury. But getting him on the field, I know for Gary Gold, the coach who loves continuity, is going to be a really, really big, um, big deal. So watching, you know, seeing if we can get AJ McGinty on the field, because with him on the field, we're a different team. And I think um, we'll be able to uh, um, deal with Chile very easily. Yep. It is a, it's a, can be a tough road trip down there. They've... Uh... You know, they've never really been tested too much, but they've always said Chile comes out pretty physical in that opening 20 minutes, and it's a bit of an arm wrestle. So it will be interesting to see what squad we should see an announcement here in the next 24 to 48 hours of what the squad will be for Gary Gold, but pretty confident they can get off to a winning start in the ARC this year. Yeah, and I think one of the interesting things for the, um, you know, so there'll be a lot of learning both for our program and for Canada's program as you see them go through the ARC because it's a World Cup year. And I think one of the big questions that the Eagles have is who's going to play Lucid Prop, right? And so I think that um, uh, David uh, Ayanu, who is, um, just got capped to 18 and is playing for Toulouse in the top 14, probably is the guy that is going to get that chance. But it's going to be interesting to see how they manage um, their their props to see who's going to play loose head. I think it's one of the few areas that you can probably say there's some doubt as they head towards the World Cup. Yep, that uh, front row is going to be critical going to the World Cup, isn't it? So it'll be interesting to see. Anu only 18, like you said, already with Toulouse and he's had some time with the top squad. So definitely a player that... 
you would think if they can get him to the World Cup, what an experience it would be for him. And realistically, injuries aside, he could play at the next three World Cups, Pete. I mean, that's that's really – I mean, to have a prop. So for those of you – for the listeners that are relative, relatively new to the game, um, because propping is such a technical aspect of the game, um, they tend to mature late. So normally props don't really come into their own um, until they're – sort of late 20s, early 30s. And so to see a guy this young, I mean, just playing in Toulouse as any from, you know, French or English or anyone who's an 18-year-old playing in top-level rugby shows uh, what potential he has. And uh, um, you're right. I mean, it, it'll be, he won't be at his best um, by this World Cup, but he would be uh, um, a great uh, um, asset for the Eagles for many years to come. So the ARC means that Major League Rugby loses some players and we will jump into the previews for this week's game. Just three games this week as they will get a reduced schedule to try to alleviate some of those uh, missing players from Major League Rugby. It kicks off first, Utah Warriors. We get our first look at the Warriors and they will take on the Austin Elite. Pete, what are your thoughts on this one? Well, I mean, I think Austin are going to be disappointed at losing their game last weekend. Um, Utah have been sort of a mystery team. It's been hard to get information about them. They have the Whippy brothers back, which I think is going to be a big asset. But, you know, it's a cold weather team coming down to a team that's already played um, a game in a couple of preseason games. I think in terms of preparation, I think Austin are going to have the edge. And I think Utah have had a lot of turnover in some key positions, particularly at fly half. And so my money is going to be on Austin. And I think that it's going to be relatively comfortable. I think this is going to be something like um, 28-15. Ooh, very specific. I'm going to agree with you on this one. I think uh, the Warriors, I think they'll make a run at the back end of the season. That's uh, They could go close, but I think they'll do it at the back end. It might be a slow start for the Warriors just because of what you said. It was a little bit uh, of a disjointed offseason getting things together. Um, and I really think the absence of Kurt Morath and uh, Paul Asike, it's it's going to be tough to replace those two guys, Morath in particular. Uh, they've got some options there, but we will see. I guess you can, it's really hard to pick into when you haven't seen a team play, but I will go Austin as well. Uh, I think it'll be a little bit more comfortable for that. I think it'll be tight. They'll run away in the second half. Uh, we'll go 37-17 oh, with that one. With that yeah. one, yeah. Oh, he says. <laughs> don't, well, go to, I mean, don't go to Utah, Dan. You're in trouble. Well, why don't you why don't you go first with this next one? Because these these next two are toss ups for me. Like like this is where I get sort of in the like you know they're just going to be close games and it's going to come down to the call of the referee or a missed kick or something like that. But I'll let you go first with um, Glendale at New Orleans. That's going to be on Saturday on ESPN Plus. The first game, sorry, on uh, Facebook Watch with the Austin home game. So you can catch that one on the uh, social media giant that is Facebook. So the second one, Saturday at 3 p.m. Eastern, 12 Pacific. Glendale Nola. Now, this this is going to be tough because this these two sides are deeply affected by the ARC. Uh, Nola will lose players to Canada. They'll lose players to the USA as well. Uh, although news came out that Tim Malpin has pulled out with an injury, but I doubt we will see him play for Nola this weekend, uh, if that's the case. And the Raptors lose 
Let's see, Davies, McGee, and Hunko, and I think Marlon uh, Al-Jabouri, who was on the bench on the weekend, so they may not miss that as much. But losing Davies and McGee, that one's going to be tough, but I think they're going to be primed for uh, – I think they'll get it done. I'm going to go Glendale down there in New Orleans to turn their season around. Super tight game, though. I think they'll get it done by uh, six points. Well, so I think this is where depth is really tested, right? And I think that um, Glendale were prepared for this. I think they went out and they made some good recruiting moves to provide a little bit of depth. We're going to see um, some halfbacks come in that I think are quality. I think Nola's going to struggle a little bit more to replace their front row. And so for me, and just because we can't be picking the same way, um, I'm going to go with Glendale and I'm going to go um, 25-24. I chose Glendale too. Oh, you did? I thought you chose Nola. No. Oh, look at this. You're already starting. Week two and you're already starting. All right. So then I'm going to go with Nola 25-24 because it doesn't matter. The game's going to be close. It's going to be close. But I'm going to choose Nola just because, like, I'm going to bet against the crowd. Okay. Okay. Fair enough. All right. Um, How are we going to do the last one then? We can't ask, but do we just say what team on the count of three? No, 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 no. Let's, Let's talk through it. And and I'll make a I'll I'll call this one. You're gonna go first. I'm All right. Go, I'm I'm gonna go first. So I think you know Seattle obviously lose Phil Mack, but uh um it's JP Smith who's their young scrum half who came on first time Phil Mack has been subbed. I think that guy's a quality player. I think with Ben Seema, um they're gonna have a nice young halfback partnership. Um, other than that, I think they're gonna be pretty clean from the uh, um, ARC San Diego. Um, you know uh. Uh, I, you know, these are get these are going to be two good teams. I think we what we're going to see is we're going to see um, San Diego with more possession, a little bit more territory, and then Seattle defending really well. Um, I think San Diego need need to get the ball to the wings, but they need to have patience to do that because that's what Seattle want you to do. They want you to move the ball wide early. Um, so, you know, I um I I think I picked against Seattle every game last year. And I think they won every game. So I'm going to go, even though I'm calling this game in San Diego, I'm going to go with Seattle. But I think this is going to be a barn burner. I think this is going to be 35-33, either Seattle or San Diego. But I'll go with Seattle. Oh, you're going Seattle. Now you're making me think here. I'm looking at this San Diego lineup from last week. I don't think they lose anyone, do they, to the ARC? Going through, that's Australian Paddy Ryan. That's going to be fun throughout the season to keep track of Australian Paddy Ryan and Irish-American Paddy Ryan and what they're doing. Uh, Nick Boyer. Nick Boyer's in the ARC squad. So I think that's it. They've got a couple of options on the bench. So both starting starting scrum halves are the only impact. Dylan Aldsley was called up to the ARC to replace him. Oh, there you go. All right. All right. Late breaking news from our producer, Aaron Castro. You went for Seattle, right? It's going to turn I, into I, a yeah. four-hour podcast at this rate. I can't make up my mind. <laughs> <laughs> I have a one-point lead, and I don't want to give. I don't want to lose it. It means it means too much. I will go just because he sent me threatening text messages during the week. Um, I will go uh, Lou Stanfield led San Diego to uh, upset Seattle at home. You know, if we want a, a uh, um, exciting league, we should all be pulling 
for San Diego, right? Because then that would they would be one and one. Seattle would be one and one, right? Um, if if uh, if Glendale win, they would be one and one. Nola would be one and one. If the Austin Elite win, they I mean everyone would would be one and one. That would be like talk about com- competition. That would be an amazing end to round two. We want all teams to be five hundred at the end of the year, and just like uh, <laughs> that scene from Friday Night Lights where they have to toss a coin and they all just sit in the room tossing coins until there's two teams left, and there's our championship game. That would be outstanding. But uh, that that wraps up. You will be in San Diego this week, Pete. So people wanting to tune into that one, uh, you can catch Pete Steinberg uh, on ESPN Plus. Uh, if you're local in the uh, San Diego area, it's going to be on Fox Five and uh, Root Sports up in the Pacific Northwest, and actually expanded their reach. So if you are listening, I believe as far out as Idaho now, you can pick up that game as well. So the Seahawk, I uh, see Wolves. Oh. That's the there's my one for the season. The Sea Wolves, uh, definitely doing their part to capture a larger market up there as well. Well, Dan, um, uh, I'm ready to go to bed. Oh, it's eleven o'clock. I gotta well, go. You just revealed that we record this at night. You were meant to keep it non-committal, so no one knows when we're doing it. It's a mystery, but uh, maybe you're going for a morning nap. But we'll let you get to bed. Uh, <laughs> it's a big weekend for you out there, Seattle, San Diego. I'll be uh, I'll be tuning in to listen to you uh, carve it up out there, and two other big games as well, Friday and Saturday this week with the ARC on as well. So it is a rugby feast for everyone. So make sure you tune in, watch some Major League Rugby, watch some of your USA Eagles as well, and we will catch up with you next week. For Aaron Castro, Pete Steinberg. This is Dan Power. Thanks for tuning in.